It's time to dive into the latest news and updates from the Vegas Golden Knights. This is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Another week of hockey in Vegas. That means time for another episode of Nighttime at Noon. As always, we're here in Studio 31 at City National Arena. Ashley Vice with Gary Lawless. Gary, I know you love the scoops, and there has been a lot around the NHL. How much time have you spent on Twitter here in the last 24 hours? Well, it's been really fun. And uh, last night, we were getting ready for the game. Darren Millard and I were uh, downstairs at T-Mobile Arena getting ready for uh, the pregame show, and Elliot Friedman tweeted that Bruce Boudreau had been hired, was going to be hired as the next coach of the Vancouver Canucks, and then it was just an onslaught of uh, of uh, of information. And then, as we were watching the Lightning destroy the Flyers, I said to to Darren, I said, "That's a game that get, gets a coach fired." And uh, of course, uh, that's what we woke up to today: Elaine Vigneault and uh, Michelle Terrian out with the Flyers. Well, speaking of, we have the privilege of welcoming in Hockey Night in Canada insider Elliot Friedman. Elliot, this has been a busy 24 hours to be an NHL insider. Really appreciate you taking the time. My pleasure, Ashley. Happy to do it. As Gary mentioned, we'll start with the fresh news first, I guess. Elaine Vigneault out as head coach in Philadelphia among an eight-game losing skid. A Jack Adams finalist just a couple seasons ago. What went wrong in Philly? You know, you know, you know it's, it's a great question because I spent a lot of the last little while trying to figure it out. And, and one of the things I really think occurred there was that they had a great year uh, a couple of years ago, as you said. But last year, look, like, you know, last year was a really tough year with the with the whole COVID setup and the protocols the players and teams were under. I think it was one of those years like you guys had a really strong year out there in Vegas. So when you're playing well and things are going well and you're winning games, whatever challenges are out there kind of go to the back burner. And when you're going poorly under those kind of situations that players were playing under last year and teams were playing under last year, I think it exposed cracks and made everything harder. And I think last year in Philly, there a disconnect grew between the coaching staff and the players. And I think they really tried to fix it but they never got it back. And, you know, you guys said it right. I was watching that game last night between Tampa and Philly, and Philly's sitting there waiting for Tampa for three straight days. Tampa's playing their fifth game a game on eight days, some at home, some on the road. They're in a back-to-back. You guys live in a big gambling town. You know in that situation you're supposed to bet on the team that's rested, and they got blown out. And, and I agree with you. I just think Philly got to a point where they couldn't wait anymore. For the record, we don't gamble on hockey, and neither does Elliot. I know he's not suggesting that at all. <laughs> Elliot. I don't know if that's true, but we'll go with it. Did yes. Chuck Fletcher – well, actually, yeah. you're not a team employee. You can do whatever you want. Did Chuck Fletcher miss his man? You talking about Boudreaux? Boudreaux? Yeah. You know, I, I, I do I think <laughs> that uh, Vancouver considered the possibility of that. And, you know, what I'm hearing today is that there's a – a, a decent chance. I don't want to put a percentage on it, Gary, but there's a decent chance that Leo gets to finish the season in Philly and they kind of figure things out then. That I don't think they're going to be in a rush to commit to anyone yet because they're probably going to have to make some additional decisions about their roster. So I do think they were considering the possibility of someone like Boudreaux, but I'm not convinced that they were ready to do that yet. So I would say probably not, but I wouldn't say 100%. No, we heard Rick Tockett's name a bunch uh, attached yes. to, to Philly, a great flyer uh, in mm-hmm. his day. 
and a really good coach, I think. I think he, you know, he won a, won, a, won with Mike Sullivan as an associate coach with the Penguins, and then went to Arizona. And and one of the things about the Coyotes, they've sucked for a while, but he, uh, he they worked hard for him. They played for him. And there was never any grumbling about Rick Tockett. They the players liked him, and let's face it, in today's day and age, there has to be. There can't like the disconnect you talked about with Vino. Like I covered two of Vino. I I rode the bus with Vino uh, when he was the coach with the Manitoba Moose. I saw the way he handled players, and it it, it was a very um, it wasn't warm and fuzzy. I'll I'll put it that mm-hmm. way. Uh, and it's not that he's a a tyrant, but Elaine can be cold. Uh, so mm-hmm. it, that. That sort of talk, it has that ability to connect with guys, has this Brudro. And the thing for me is the Flyers, who are the Flyers? They have no identity. For the longest time, when you said the Philadelphia Flyers, you knew exactly what you were talking about. And Rick Tockett was part of that. He was an extension of that identity. They don't have that at all anymore. And I, I wonder why. So I wonder kind of if Tockett makes sense. Like Bobby Clark and Paul Holmgren. They're, they're, you know, they may not be on the, on the, on the, the, the masthead anymore, but they, they have sway. They will be talking about Rick Tockett. Well, I, I think that Tockett would, would definitely, I've heard of the Tockett rumors last week too. And, and I'd looked into them and I was just told, you know, don't, don't move so quick. And I do think that Chuck Fletcher wanted to give Alain Vigneault this week to try to see if they could get things on the rails but obviously sometimes your decisions get forced. And it's like my, my grandmother used to have a line, you plan, God laughs. Uh, Fletcher planned and God laughed at the plan. I agree with you. I think there's gonna be a lot of talk there about the flyer identity and the flyer way. Um, but I think the other thing they have to be considering, look Gary, they made a bunch of trades last year. It, it hasn't worked. They've changed the coach. Are they gonna have to go in even deeper into the surgery they decide to try to do? The money yeah. factor too. Yo is already on staff, so I'm sure he gets a bit of a bump to be the head coach. But if you're going to bring in Rick Tockett, he's going to want term, and he's going to and he's got leverage. He's a former Flyer with a great name. The fan base would absolutely love him. He's got a job. He's on national television uh, on TNT, so uh, he's not coming there for cheap. That would be, a, I want, think, he wants to get into lawless territory. <laughs> he, you think about it, you own Vino. Two and a half years, so you owe him twelve and a half million dollars. Still, mm-hmm. that's a lot of that's a lot of a lot of money. Um, let's go to Vancouver for a second. They okay. so it was really weird because you tweeted out that they'd fired Boudreaux, and then later on, I mean that they hired Boudreaux, they'd fired Green and Baumgartner, and then later on we find out about that Jim Benning and John Weisbrod had been fired as well. Now, what was the order there, and uh, what can you tell us about behind the scenes in Vancouver? You know, Gary, I started getting some tips yesterday that there was something going on in Vancouver, that uh, there were changes coming. And then it comes down to, guys, as you both know, like what you think you know and what you actually do know and what you can prove. And I had heard yesterday the names uh, being out potentially of Jim Banning, his assistant, John Weisbrod, Travis Green, and his assistant, Nolan Baumgartner, and they're very close. I'd heard rumors that they were all out. Uh, (coughs) Excuse me. But... It comes down to what you can confirm. And the, the one thing I was able to confirm first was the fact that uh, it looked like Boudreaux was coming in as the head coach. And I was pretty sure, but you know, you can't be wrong. I've been wrong before and it's an, 
it's embarrassing. So you, you don't want to do that. I, I just think Gary and, and uh, that they were all, the, all four were let go yesterday. Um, and they, they, they'd gone, I think they'd gone to Boudreaux probably the middle of last week about the possibility of doing it. And I think, I don't think they decided to make the change until after Saturday night's game. I don't know if you saw, uh, I don't know. Everything I don't know. okay? Yeah, Max is uh, my son's just trying to get into my office. So that is not a good idea. Um, I think what had happened was I don't know if you guys saw their game on Saturday night. They lost four one at home to Pittsburgh. Uh, the fans were booing. They threw a jersey on the ice. They were chanting to fire the GM. But it was also just the way the team played. Like there was just a shot of the bench after the game and. You know, Green had no answers. The players had no answers. And I just think ownership looked at that and said, we cannot stay with the status quo. And that's the reason the decision was made. Tell us about, so they bring in Boudreaux and Scott Walker. On the management side, it's kind of strange. Five guys running the show right now. Well, I think what happened here is that, by the way, like somebody, you know, somebody said to me, you guys should know this, that somebody asked me on Vancouver radio this morning if George McPhee would be interested. And my answer was, why would he want to leave the paradise he's in to go to Vancouver? You know, you guys are you guys are challenging for a Stanley Cup right now. And it, it didn't make any sense to me. But, you know, I think the reason is, guys, is that the Canucks don't want to make any long term hires yet. They want to go through the process and they want to decide who they're hiring before they commit to anyone. Boudreaux agreed to a contract for this year and next, so it's not necessarily, he's in the driver's seat, he gets the chance to show he can do the job, but it's not yet a long-term marriage. And I don't think they've determined yet who their GM is going to be or their president of hockey operations long-term. I don't believe that they have decided that yet. So they're kind of looking at it like, why don't we just see what we've got here? Stan Smeal had kind of been who you know, Gary, had been pushed to the outside. And uh, I think they wanted his voice back in to be a, a voice of calm in the middle of all of this. And so I think that's why they decided to do what they did. And ultimately, they'll hire someone long-term, and then we'll have more clarity. It's interesting. So they've got five guys. Uh, Steve Gear, he's a cap guy, right? Uh, Gear, yes. Chris, sorry, yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah. And then Smeal, Ryan Johnson, Henrik, and Daniel Sedin, all former Canucks. It's interesting yes. that they, they're all former players, and none of them really has GM-type experience. Like, Stan has done a lot of different things for the Canucks. Ryan Johnson is a guy that everybody thinks really highly of, but does not have... Like, there's no Kelly McCrimmon, there's no Vaughn Carpen, there's no George McPhee standing in the wings in Vancouver uh, to, to move in here and take over. It surprises me that they would. there are some experienced hands out there that they could have brought in even short term to sort of get them through this year and see how it goes. That's a, a raw group and five guys, five CEOs. That's, that's, an, interesting, uh, that's an interesting org chart. Right now, ownership is very much in charge, and uh, I think the search is underway. Like, they're talking to people. They are talking to people. It's not like they're not doing anything right now. The search is underway. All I've been told is they're not going to make a commitment until they're just, they've decided on who they want to hire and they're ready to do that. Um, but the search is very much underway. I think the other thing, too, is I don't know if they're in a rush to make any kind of big trades right now. So if you're not, 
then you can kind of keep things calm until you decide to do something. This, of course, is a divisional opponent for Vegas. So how do you expect the Canucks to look different under Boudreaux? You know, Charlotte, I think what's going to happen is that um, I think that he's going to act. The players said today they were told to play aggressive. Like one thing about Boudreaux, everywhere he goes, the top offensive players get opportunity. And I really believe that one of the things the Canucks have determined is try to figure out what is wrong with uh, Pedersen. He's had, like, I'm a huge Pedersen fan. It's been a terrible, terrible year for him. And I I do think in their search, they were asking anyone who might coach the team, what are we going to do to get him going? He's a cornerstone player for us. And if you look at Boudreaux's history, offensive players get to produce and are put in position to produce. And the problem with a guy like Peterson struggling is because he's a, a creator in addition to a scorer, other finishers like Brock Besser, they're affected. So I think the number one thing you're going to see is he's going to tell them to be aggressive. He's going to tell them to try to, to feel free to try to take chances to score. And he's going to put their offensive players in terms of ice time, where they are on the ice, uh, to be in position to succeed. I think that's the number one thing you're going to see from them right away. I want to turn the page a little bit to Olympic talk as well. Robin Leonard says last night that he is not going to participate in the Olympics for Team Sweden. What do you make of his decision? Well, I don't think anybody is overly surprised. Um, you know, first of all, Robin Leonard, we've all learned he's going to do what he wants and say what he says, and it's going to be his opinion in his life, and it's going to be his way. So, I And I think everybody understands that, and everybody respects it. You know, in this particular situation, You know, I love hockey at the Olympics. I really do. But I don't like the way it's trending. I don't think we're headed in a really good direction here uh, with COVID and, you know, with the quarantine potentially being three weeks if you get a positive test there. And, you know, know, mental health is is becoming a thing that we're all understanding better. Um, We've seen some pretty big examples of it this year between Leonard and Jonathan Drouin and Carey Price in Montreal. For Leonard to come out and say that, I don't think anyone's surprised and I don't think anyone holds it against them. And I would bet that there's a lot more players uh, who feel similarly to him, especially about the quarantine. But I think they're kind of hoping against hope that something could be worked out so that the players can still go. We probably won't know until right before the deadline on January 10th. I think for a goalie, it's also a a unique situation in the sense that if you're not going to be the number one, and I'm not saying Robin wasn't going to be the number one, it looks like it's a battle between what's going to be a battle between him and Markstrom as to who is going to be the starter for Sweden. But are you going to risk all of that to go over there and sit on the bench with a towel around your neck for three weeks? Yeah, I totally understand that. And I have to say, I thought you got the two of you showed, um, you know, real calmness on Twitter last night after the Calgary game. Like I'm looking at the, uh, the, the tweet right now, test passed with the big uh, check mark that you have out there. I thought one of you was going to tweet for sure that this is proof that Letters should start the Olympics over Markstrom. I'm I'm really impressed that you guys didn't go that far. What did you think of Vegas last night? Uh, Ashley and I were talking before we hit the air. We thought it was one of their best games of the year. I, I thought it was a great game. I, I, I That was a really good game to watch last night. Uh, I saw two teams, two really good teams, guys punch and counter punch and especially in that third period and uh i if you told me that calgary and vegas were going to go at each other for seven games in a playoff series sign me up i i'd love to watch it and i think like most of us i'm hoping that eichel gets back soon healthy 
and uh, I can't wait to see what he looks like in your roster. Before we let you go, um, unless we have to let you go now, are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. I All right. One. Max uh, isn't trying to break down the door. Yeah, Max is good. We love Max. The Winnipeg-Toronto game boiled over. Uh, yeah. uh, whose hearing is uh, whose hearing is uh, is in person? Spetsa. Spetsa. It's actually in person via Zoom. You think he's gonna yeah. get? You think he's gonna get six games? I what this is gonna come down to is what he says. They didn't like the intent. They they really didn't like. You know, now the news. I'm hearing that the Sandine might not be as his injury was it might not be as bad as they thought or feared, and. Um, you know, I, I just think that at the time, though, I think the Maple Leafs thought he was injured really badly, and they have a history with Pionk going back to last year. And, you know, there's no question Spezza ran at him, and I just think they want to hear what he has to say. Um, you know, he got him with the knee of the head, but, you know, Pionk had, had gone down low. Um, you know, I, I think if Spezza gets in there and says, you know, I, I meant to hit him, but not drill him in the head with my knee, it might be a chance that this is a little bit less. I think he's getting something, but he, he might not necessarily get the six games. We'll see what he, I think it comes down to what he says in the hearing. That hearing will be, it'll come, it'll emanate from a suite at the Cosmo, half of the, the Department of Player Safety. They're all in Vegas. They were all at the game last night. George Peros, Patrick Burke, uh, Kay Whitmore from Hockey Ops uh, uh, was here as well. They're uh, doing some uh Doing a, a, some testing for uh, for All Star game, getting getting your suite ready at the Cosmo well, for, know, for All Star. You know, good. I, I'm hoping, I expect like proper hospitality. But if they're out in Vegas, I would tell Spencer to have the hearing later in the day. Maybe <laughs> maybe you'd have a better chance. <laughs> awesome, Elliot. Well, thanks again for taking the time, especially on a busy you know day like this. So hopefully you're able no to problem. take a break and get some rest here soon. Appreciate the time. Ashley, Gary, thanks very much for having me, guys. Take care. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks, Elliot. And Gary and I will break down a little bit more of that conversation in a little bit. But first, it's time to take a break. But the spectacular Hotel Californian in Santa Barbara, California, is the newest exciting addition to the Foley Entertainment Group. Experience an extraordinary stay in one of 121 luxury guest rooms and suites. Taste the region's finest wine at Foley Food and Wine Society Tasting Room. And treat yourself to an unparalleled massage at Majorelle, the Moroccan-inspired spa all in the heart of the American Riviera. Designed for domestic and international guests alike, Hotel Californian is the perfect destination for any traveler seeking a one-of-a-kind luxury experience. Hotel Californian is Santa Barbara's premier urban destination. Visit HotelCalifornian.com to book your stay today. We'll be right back. We're back to Nighttime at Noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Welcome back to Nighttime at Noon, live from Studio 31 here at City National Arena. Once again, Ashley Vice with Gary Lawless just wrapped up a great interview with NHL insider Elliot Friedman. We're going to get back to some of that news around the league in the next segment, but want to turn the attention to the Vegas Golden Knights. And want to start big picture here, talk about the record 14-10-0. How do you feel about that record given the roller coaster that this season has been? Well, they needed to tread water with all of those injuries and uh but there's got to be a time when you kind of say okay like washington had injuries uh pittsburgh had injuries lots of teams have gone through these things you have to keep winning you have to stay uh in the hunt and then at a certain point in time if you are truly a stanley cup contender 
you got to start to to win games and big important games and that kind of was that was the test for me last night for, for Vegas was you know when you think back that Carolina handled them uh the Islanders before they kind of went into the tailspin that they're in now they came into Vegas beat beat the Golden Knights Edmonton has come in twice beating the Golden Knights. So you start to wonder, like, can they really swim with the big fishes? And so Calgary comes in, and they're the best team, or were among the best teams in the West. They came in last night, and uh, uh, that was a, a really structured game from the Golden Knights. They had There's a lot of good things. They had finish. Leonard was good for, uh, for big, big stretches of that game. His game was clean. He didn't spill the puck on... On in rebounds, um, I liked I liked the power play. I, they didn't they didn't score, but they really moved the puck well. They had chances, uh, and then it looked uh, Vegas has been waiting well since the team got here for a third line to look like that third line looked last night. Now there were times when Waugh and Tuck were together where you kind of thought. Huh, maybe this is something that could really take off. But there seems to be a different chemistry level with Waugh, Yanmark, and Dodonoff. And that's the difference between a guy like Dodonoff and, and Tuck. Dodonoff makes other players better. Uh, Alex is a, is a force of nature uh, and, you know, great skater, great shot, all of those good things. Um, Dodonoff sees the ice. He's a smart player, distributes the puck, and uh, goes, goes. you know, the goal he scored last night to backhand right in front of the net because he goes to the right areas. So there are a bunch of things that uh, that I really liked about last night's game. You know, I think every team that makes a deep run has a point in the regular season that you kind of circle on the calendar and you say this is where things started to change. And... It's early, but I kind of got the vibe that last night might have been that game, not just because of the result, uh, but because it was also the top team in the division because Calgary has the big push at the end, but they hold on. They're healthy. They're seeing you, – you saw what every line could do as well. It felt to me like the first time that they were rolling four lines and it was the first line and the third line that scored, but the second and fourth line both had not just looks but prime looks as well. Yeah. Uh, Amadio, I liked his game last night as well. It's interesting, you know, most teams have been able to kind of use the first 20 or so games to kind of get their foundation installed. Vegas wasn't able to do that. They needed to survive and do whatever they could to to get two points. Um, And they lived day to day. I think now uh, it can be more of a situation where, of course, you still, now they have to start to win games and they have the roster to do that but i also think that now is really about establishing their foundation and uh it, you know it's kind of like probably how many games till jack jack eichel arrives another 20 another 25 30 whatever it is um you need to be a going in the right direction when he arrives and and be in the thick of the top three in the Pacific and maybe even in the West, and then you're going to get another. There's going to be another change. So yes, I think someone astute like you will go that win over Calgary. But then I think a lot of people are going to go, oh, they got Jack Eichel, and well, all yes. of a sudden, you know, they right. got. Uh, it's like they had the nitrous oxide kit, the trunk, and he arrives, and they uh, they clicked it on, and then you know you go from zero to sixty. Now you in. Five seconds, now you do it in two seconds because it's going to be a different player and a different talent level when he's inserted into the lineup. Speaking of going to 0-60 to whenever you're inserted in the lineup, Max Pacioretty yeah. 
How has he been so effective so quickly coming off of that injury? Well, you know, you have to really hand it to Max. Like, I walked by the gym one day. We went downstairs to to interview the coaches and the players after practice. And on the way back up, there was Max on his knees with a boot doing deadlifts. Like, uh, he, he's got a broken something. And he's on his knees with his, his 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 lower body part of his body basically immobilized, and he's doing deadlifts, making sure that when he did whatever he could during that time away, to make sure that when that when the lights got clicked back on, he was ready to go, and uh, you know, his shot that was the one thing he could make sure was still in tune, and it is. He's come back and uh, uh, really firing the pocket. Uh, listen, I also think that there's um, some internal competition going on right now. Like, I think all these guys look at, at everything that's happening, and then there's another player that's going to come, and he is going to take a really important spot. And who's going to be with them? Someone, someone that played last night, not playing with Jack Eichler refs. When you look at a game last night, that speaks volumes to the depth of the Golden Knights and how good this team could possibly be. It's something that uh, Dave and I were talking about yesterday. You put Nolan Patrick back in there, and Nolan and Pat, either Nolan Patrick or Nick Wall looking at being a fourth-line center, both of whom play well above that role typically. Yeah. Well, that was the other thing about Nick Wall last night when you, when you have Stevenson and then you put Carlson back in, and then Nick plays against third-line competition – well, he's a tweener, sorry. He's kind of a, he's a two and a half, right? He's not a third line center. He's a little bit better than that. So now, you know, he and he, the players he's going to play against, he's going to be like, oh, I played against that guy in the American League. I was way better than him. I still am. Uh, and that confidence. Like every time you go out on the ice, you look who you're going against, and you determine quickly, oh, I'm better than that person. I can beat them. I can beat them this way. I can beat them that way. I can hit them. I can whatever. Like Nick Wah is going to be, that's how Mark Stone feels every shift, no matter who's on the ice. Well, now Nick Wah, when he's going out against that a third line, that's, what's, that's his mindset. I want to go back quickly to Max Pacioretty because uh, you mentioned his shot. A lot has been made of his shot uh, since his return with good reason. Where does his shot rank in terms of the best or most powerful that you've seen in your time covering hockey? Huh. Well, it's, 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 I, I go back to wooden sticks, right? So, you know what I mean? It's, it's a little different. Like when Doug McInnes, Doug, Doug Wilson and Al McInnes fired it with their wooden stick, uh, you know, it, it was pretty amazing. I should it, say it, wrist shot. Um, well, and, and Max has a snapshot too. So, uh, you know, Ovechkin is to me, uh, him and Patrick Line, that those guys are, are really near the top. Uh, Steve Larmer had a great shot when he played for, for the Blackhawks. Uh, obviously, Guy Lafleur uh, could really shoot the puck. Mike Bossy was one of the, the greatest pure shooters in the history of the game. And, and when I think of Max, um, I put him in that. Uh, he hasn't he hasn't been as prolific as, as some of those guys throughout the length of his career, but yeah, Max certainly is one of the best shots I've ever seen for sure. And last night, the first time we've seen the top six together since Game Two. Yeah, well, it's uh, <laughs> that's the way they drew it up, right? Like they they put this team together without. Jeff- 
Eichel and not knowing that they could get Jack Eichel and thought that this was a Stanley Cup contender, and it probably was. And now that you're going to have this, uh, you're going to add this other player who is well, Jack Eichel very likely will be the most talented player the Vegas Golden Knights have ever had. When you're talking about the way he skates, the way he, the way he shoots, the things that he can do, really special player. Top five, uh, you know, a top five forward in the National Hockey League. And th- that team that played last night didn't have him. And skating just a few days ago, a week ago, what was it? Within the last well, week, we saw skating him in skate, a Vegas uh, sweater? Yeah, we, yes, saw, we him saw him skate, skate last week, but there are reports he's been skating for a couple of weeks. So, uh uh, yeah, I don't think that I don't think the timeline has changed. I think there's really, um, you know, Pete said yesterday, positive reports. Everything seems to be going well, and the fact that there's a video out there of Jack skating is, uh, you know, that's a pretty positive uh, situation as well. If if it wasn't going very well, you would think that he wouldn't be on the ice, and B, if if it, if it didn't look great. There would be video circulating around, you know. So right. uh, uh, I think that's a, a really good sign. Positive news for sure. So now who's left on IR for the Vegas Golden Knights? You have Jack Eichel, who we just mentioned. Uh, you also have Alec Martinez. Not much of an update on him here recently. Um, and then you have Nolan Patrick, who did join the team for a morning skate for the first time, albeit in a non-contact jersey. No practice today, but will be interesting to see if he's able to continue with the team here this week. Yeah, for sure. You know, Nolan has had that history of uh, uh, of, of of injuries, and uh, you know, I think that one of the reasons why he was so happy to come here was um, great trust in Kelly McCrimmon. You know, he, he left home to go play for uh, for Kelly McCrimmon in Brandon, and uh, the best hockey of his career came in Brandon when when Kelly was there. So I do think that uh, uh, they're doing the right things by Nolan and. Uh, when he, we need, we know one thing. When he comes back, he'll be he'll be healthy and he'll be ready. And when you think about the depth, to you, you said coming into the season, you think this is the best team Vegas has had on paper. Yes. How do you think on paper this roster compares to the rest of the league? The depth. Well, depth-wise, you know, I mean, like I think what we saw last night and was you know their top three lines were tremendous. And again, I keep saying it again, they're going to put Jack Eichel in there. And you know, when you get Martinez back with that. Uh, with that blue line room, that'll be really interesting. You know, um, uh, it looks like uh, Petrangelo and Nick Hager have become a pair, and I, I, I kind of like the way White Cloud and uh, and Hag look. Um, sorry, White Cloud and Theodore. Uh, I've always wondered if there could be a fix there, a, a fit there. I'd like to see them play together a little while longer, and then you know, is it going to be Martinez and McNabb, or will there be you know, will they shuffle them around? And I, I do think that that's the other thing. They don't necessarily have to be married to pairings. I think if everyone has played with each other at one point in time, there's lots of different things that they can do. I know, like in Calgary, for example, they have Chris Tanev uh, and Martinez kind of, they remind me of one another. Not necessarily their style, but uh, I, I know that Daryl Sutter, when one of the D players is struggling, he puts him with Tanev and they they get a kick from playing with Tanev because he's really smart. He's like a coach out there. He does everything, does everything smooth, does all that makes all the right decisions, smart player. And Martinez has a lot of that in his game as well. So, uh, uh, you know, Alec can help spark a guy if he's, uh, struggling a little bit. He's missed. He's a big part of that, uh, of that top six. It is, uh, Deep defensively, too, this team is. We've talked about the forward depth, but you also have either Ben Hutton or Dylan Coughlin in any night of the week with Alec Martinez out. How have you thought about the way those two have kind of filtered in and out? 
Well, I thought Hutton was excellent when he uh, when he came in and was uh, um, you know re- was a great pickup for them when they when they needed a player like that. Coughlin hasn't had uh, you know he, he's a young player. I think he needs to play, and um, when he doesn't, I think it, uh, it it sort of holds him back for a while. I think we'll need he needs a few more games to probably get up to speed to where he wants to be, but this is a tough uh, tough six to crack when everybody's healthy. All in all, as a team, it was a much stronger defensive performance than we've seen from this team. What did you like that is sustainable for this team moving forward? Yeah, decision-making for me all day long. Like They just you know, determined that they weren't going to turn the puck over, and if they, and if they lost the puck, they were going to lose the puck in the right areas, not at the defensive blue line, not at the offensive blue line. It was going to be in a corner or, you know, along the wall. The, the, Robin Leonard was able to play a game last night that was tailored to his strengths. You know, he had to, uh, he had to stop Anderson kind of on the, on the one on O, but that was it. Like it was a lot of stuff that was uh, around, you know, shots from the edge. Like he was able to really kind of be big in the net and not worry about, Odd man rushes. Uh, there was a couple, but for the most part, um, the Mon goal came uh, on an odd man rush. But uh, uh, for the most part, they did a really good job of of limiting that and letting Robin play uh, to his strengths. And I think that's key for them going forward. Yeah, you talk about Robin. He's performed better than his numbers look this season. So a game like that, maybe big for his confidence, big for him mentally, even if he won't admit that confidence lacks at any point? Maybe last yeah, night good? I, I don't think it was his confidence was lacking. I think he was getting frustrated. I think the last his last two items, he came into the dressing room and came on TV and said, that that's, we can't play that way. That was not, not, near, not nearly good enough. And you, know, you appreciate his honesty, but uh, uh, and I would have imagined that his remarks behind the scenes to his teammates would have been a little more pointed. Like if you're going to let them have five or six Odd man rushes, guys. They're going to score a bunch. Like we've got to cut those down. If you Leonard's job is to keep it two or less. That's you know hold the opposition to two goals or less. Vegas should be able to score three goals a night against anybody in the NHL. And if uh, if they put Robin in a situation where he can do that, they're going to win a lot of hockey games. So maybe some good synergy there. Robin's able to do his job. The team's able to make his job a little bit easier on him. So that was our a little bit of VGK talk there. We'll come back with some more news around the league. Uh, but first, Henderson Silver Knights. Hey, Golden Knights fans, need more hockey? Make sure to check out the newest team in town, the Henderson Silver Knights of the American Hockey League. Single game, group, and mini suite tickets for home games during the 2021-22 season are on sale now. Contact the Henderson Silver Knights ticketing team at 702 645 or visit hendersonsilvernights.com to learn more. We'll be right back. Live from City National Arena, this is Nighttime at Noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Welcome back to Nighttime at Noon, where we're talking some news around the National Hockey League because we're all hockey fans here. But also, you can be one of the first to join the Vegas Nighthawks family. Secure your seat selection priority today by placing a refundable $20 deposit at nighthawksfootball.com. Full season membership will start at just $10 per ticket at the brand new Dollar Loan Center located in Henderson. That'll be exciting stuff, Gary. I know you're a big football guy. Nighthawks head coach Mike Davis. Signed a player this last week who was once at Winnipeg Blue Bombers training camp. What can you tell us about? 
Not much, buddy. I can tell you that the Blue Bombers won yesterday, punched their ticket to the Grey Cup. They'll play the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the Grey Cup, which is a rematch of 2019. There was no Grey Cup last year because of uh, COVID, but in uh, 2019, you weren't with us. We had a a Grey Cup party in Dallas. Okay. I know that place a little bit. We landed in Dallas and walked straight across the street to Moxie's. It was pretty funny because the Cowboys were playing. And Moxie's is jammed with people wearing Cowboys <laughs> They're pretty stuff. Po- Cowboys are pretty and popular And in walks there. in this crew of people. I'm wearing my Blue Bombers jersey. Dave Gosher, I got him a, a, a Blue Bombers t-shirt. We walk in, there's this huge table reserved for us, and a bunch of TVs, and the Grey Cup is on. And uh, people were actually coming over and uh, asking about us about it and what was going on. And, uh, you know, no one in the United States really kind of, they kind of turned their Nose up at the CFL, but it's uh, near and dear to my heart. Hey, well, yes, Gary will always be here to drop some CFL knowledge, but he's also always here to drop the hockey knowledge. And Gary talked a little bit about it with Elliot Friedman, but Robin Leonard said last night that he will not be participating in the Olympics and that he wanted everyone to hear it from him first, but he has notified Team Sweden. Uh, you know, I think it's interesting. I think we live in a world where people kind of tell you how you're supposed to feel, and people say the Olympics is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You're supposed to be excited. You're supposed to want to go above all else i think it's good for robin for doing what's best for him here absolutely uh a, a couple of things you know what i mean we're Millard and i are sitting up on uh, on set in section 117 and all of a sudden robin says yeah, me and my psychiatrist we've decided like not for nothing this this is t- a little bit about how brave this individual it is and how focused he is on you know, breaking barriers and, and trying to remove stigma. You know, he makes a point. He could have said my doctor. He could have said my family. My psychiatrist and I have decided the best thing for me is to not go. So, like, I, I think that the way he phrased it was intentional, and I think it has big impact. And I, there would have been people watching the game last night that, that, you know, we all have mental health issues to a certain degree. There would have been some people that, you know, that are in therapy and that they would have thought, wow, that guy just won a game in the National Hockey League and he's on TV and he's talking about his treatment and his doctor, his psychiatrist on television. That would have given a lot of people a lift. And I, I think that that's, uh, listen, I, Robin Leonard wants to win a Stanley Cup and be remembered in Vegas for that and be remembered in the National Hockey League for that. But the, the this the mental health aspect of the Robin Leonard package is really important. Uh, I do want to know this. What if Jacob Markstrom gets hurt? And the not, phone rings. Not a very deep goaltender like, selection there these days. Yeah. Robin, yeah. we really need you. And you're going to be the guy. You're going to play. Um, has he made his decision, and is it uh, Stampy's no erases? Has uh, we used to stay in the ballpark uh, when we were kids? I don't know, that, and that's uh, it's a hypothetical. But it was one of the things that kind of was of interest to me. I think you know the prospect of going there and and the unknown, and, and that probably doesn't change for Robin whether he plays or not. The unknown of you know, are you going to be stuck? Are you going to be locked down? Like, I, I don't think the. I think admittedly, he said the bubble was not great for him, and uh, uh, and this is going to be another form of a bubble. So, uh, um, I, I I really think it's great that he was able to kind of 
make this decision, process it, and and then announce it. And uh, if it wasn't for jerks like me saying stuff like, "What if Markstrom gets hurt?" We'd be we'd have forgotten about it. So <laughs> hopefully that's hopefully hopefully it all works out. Right, exactly. On the flip side, you had Pete DeBoer make kind of a funny comment about how he's excited to go. He said he would swim there if he had yeah. to, which was nice. But again, kind of, just, I, I enjoy the thought of being able to brace people viewing things differently and it being okay. And yeah. everyone doing what's best for them, being excited about what they want to be excited about, whatever that may be. Uh, I, I met Pete uh, for the very first time that I met Pete DeBoer. He was an assistant coach in 2005 at the World Juniors uh, for Team Canada. That's considered the greatest team in world junior history Crosby was the third liner on that team uh he you know that was like uh Corey Perry Ryan Getzloff uh um Dion Phaneuf Shea Weber on and on and on like they were stacked and uh and Pete was an assistant with that team he's been in the world championships he's uh he's a hockey Canada guy he will uh um I think he's really benefited from that experience in the past learning but I also think that it's uh the guys that the guys that get a chance to work for Hockey Canada or play for Team Canada, they always uh, they always want to go back. They do it right. Big news for one of the teams in Vancouver last night: Travis Green gets yeah. fired. One of many coaches and GMs fired around the league this season. We talked to Elliot about it a little bit, but what do you make about all of this and why so much of this is happening? Yeah, I, I, you know, I always look to the top when there's instability in an organization. You know, and I think one of the things that Bill Foley did was go and hire George McPhee and trust George to to do the job and let George do the job. Bill is around. Bill is involved in in decisions, but he lets everybody do their job. And uh, you know, the other thing that that George did after he hired Kelly McCrimmon, they kind of came to a place, and, and Kerry Bubolts as well, where they kind of all said, we're going to go and hire the best people we can hire for everything. Like, the, the standard across the organization is excellence, okay? So, uh, apart from me, you know, yeah. uh, everybody else in this room gets an A+. plus. I'm, as Dave Gosch says, I'm a, a solid B-. <laughs> uh, they went and got really good people, and everybody strives to to to, to meet that, that bar, and the bar is set high, and, and it keeps moving up, and you know, Bill does his job in terms of making sure that the resources are there for Kelly and George to go get players, and they do. And it's it's the way an organization is run, the 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 values that are you know that underpin an organization, all that stuff matters. And you know, like we've been hearing in Vancouver that they're going to fire the coach for a month. We've been hearing they're going to fire the general manager for a month. Like, if if you're going to do it. Make the decision, have a plan in place, and and make it happen. I just think that the whole thing was handled poorly, and I I bet you Travis Green woke up today and thought, oh wow, like you know, said to his wife, his kids, let's uh, let's get out, let's go to California. You know what I mean? He's getting paid for another two years. He signed an extension in the summer, so uh, and he'll he'll get another he'll get another bench in the NHL for sure. So. Uh, um, I know Nolan Baumgartner really well. I covered a couple teams that he played for, and uh, he's a really good person. Um, feel bad for him today as well. I know you have some stories about Stan Smeal as well. We'll get to those uh, after this break. We'll be right back. We're back to Nighttime at Noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. 
And welcome back to Nighttime at Noon. Once again, Ashley Vice with Gary Lawless. And ahead of the break, we were talking about the changes in Vancouver. And they're now interim GM Stan Smeal. You and he go way back, Gary. You yeah. know everyone. He's one of them. <laughs> Stan was a coach of the Manitoba Moose when uh, when I was a beat reporter in the American League there for a couple of years. And uh, back then, I don't know how they do it now, but back then the newspaper guy would, would or person, would, tra- would travel with the team. They would book you a flight. They would, uh, you'd be on the bus with them. When they got food after a game, they'd have a meal for you. Uh, when you got to the hotel, they'd have a room for you. And then they'd build a newspaper at the end of the year for everything you did. But it was weird because you would write a story. And in one story in particular, I wrote that, you know, that Stan was a nice guy, but, uh, um, you know, had coached in a strange way. And now at near the end of the year, he was trying to get the team to make the playoffs. And I said he was too late. And he, uh, we arrived in Binghamton. Gary had to face the music. <laughs> we, got to, we got to the Holiday Inn in Bingo. And uh, I was uh, just uh, about to grab my room key. And uh, he snatched it away. And he said, that you'll get this after. Uh, let's go. And we went and sat in the bar and... Uh, he uh, was really giving it to me, and then I said, "Can we at least order a drink?" <laughs> so we, uh, after a bottle of wine, we had decided that everything was okay and uh, had kind of fi- fixed our differences. But he's a really nice man, and uh, um, uh, really important to that Canucks organization. And uh, I- I'm not sure he's the guy to be the GM long term, but. Uh, We'll see what happens. Uh, bottle of wine fixes everything, Gary. I think that's what I mostly took You've out been of that story. You've hanging around Gosher too much. <laughs> uh, big week ahead for the Golden Knights. Three more games on this homestand before they hit the road. Important to keep the pedal to the metal here. Well, but it, it, not, not some easy games here, right? Dallas, is uh, they're really going right now ever since uh, Rick Bone has said, I know exactly what's wrong with this team and I'm going to fix it. That's what he said, and they've been really going ever since. Uh, and then uh, the Minnesota Wild right near the top of uh, – it's really interesting what's happened there. Uh, you know, they played last year. They had Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter in that dressing room, and they were – you know, they, they kind of ran the room. Uh, and then they pull them out. You know, I think that, you know, Bill Guerin and Dean Evason decided, you know, we're going to make a culture change and remove those two guys. And now they're uh, – well, I think they're a better team right now than they were last year, and they took uh, the Golden Knights to seven, as you all remember, in the postseason. What, oh, you're also going to see Philadelphia come in oh, Flyers with well. Mike Yo yeah. as the interim coach. We didn't talk about it much, but he's been in this position before. He took over for Ken Hitchcock with the Blues back in 2017, and unfortunately he was the one let go when Craig Berube took over and the yeah. Blues won the Cup, so he probably has something to prove as well. Uh, one or two keys for the Golden Knights. What do they need to keep up? What do they need to change? What are you looking for out of them uh, to finish off the home Well, I, I think a, a lot more of what we saw last night, you know, that uh, – um, really balanced attack. Like you look at the the ice time numbers at the end of the last night. You know Pete DeBoer really spread it out evenly uh, amongst his top nine, and uh, they got good goaltending the last two games. You know Brassois only allowed one against Arizona, and then last night Leonard holds the Flames to two, two or less, and you win games in the NHL. Yeah, so Pete DeBoer said it early in the season, first to three wins, and you know we've kind of seen that uh, as the season has progressed and then after this homestand long trip to New York Gary looking forward to that around Christmas time yeah it's always a fun time for sure absolutely It'll be a fun time yeah. all right guys well this was nighttime at noon once again Ashley Vice with Gary Lawless and we will be right back here next Monday